Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, June the 14th, 2022. It is currently 9.18 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Do you love the cross? Do you love the cross? Now, I think the first reaction of most people who call themselves Christians, they're going to say, absolutely, I love the cross. I love what Jesus did on the cross for me. But I'm going to I'm going to make a claim here that you may disagree, but I hope you'll wait till we are done and then maybe you'll change your answer. If I say, do you love the cross? Your immediate answer is yes, but I'm going to argue that it's yes and it's no. That sometimes it's yes and many times it's no. And for me, and I'm going to prove that, and we're going to take a little trip back in church history. We're going to go back to about well, over 500 years, and we're going to turn our attention once again to the classic book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. We're going to look at what he has to say, but I'm going to make the argument that you love the cross and you despise the cross. I'm going to go so far to say that you love the cross and in some ways you hate the cross. In some ways, you love the cross and want to embrace the cross. And in other ways, you want to avoid the cross. You reject it. You want to turn your back upon it. Now, I know some of you are like, absolutely not. You're wrong. You're wrong. I love the cross. I love the cross. Just wait. And I think it will make sense. And before we even, I've got The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis right here. Before I even pick up the book, before I even get near it, I want us to spend some time looking at some scriptures, right? The first group of scriptures is going to demonstrate why you love the cross. And then the last scripture I'm going to give you, the last passage, I think you will immediately see, well, you're right. I don't love that. I love the first set of scriptures you gave me because that's why I love the cross. But where did you find that scripture? Because I don't love that. This will all make sense. Just stay with me. Are you ready? All right. Let's take our Bibles. First, I got to grab my notebook here. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. All right. Galatians chapter 3. You may even know which passage I'm getting ready to read. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. This is the first passage in the group of scripture and and the kind of grouping of scriptures that will I think immediately show you why you love the cross. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, It is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus Christ hung on the tree. He hung on that cross and, as it says, has redeemed you from the curse of the law. 
You love the cross because on that cross, Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law says you deserve death. You deserve condemnation. You deserve wrath. You deserve punishment. So when you look to the cross, you're like, I love the cross because Jesus redeemed me from the curse of the law. I love the cross. I know you're saying, but so why did you say that I love it and I hate it? Why did you say I embrace it and I reject it? Stay with me. Let's look at another passage of scripture. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. The gospel of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Let's start in verse, where do we want to go here? John chapter 3. Let's start in verse 14. John chapter 3 verse Let's we'll start in verse 12. John chapter 3, verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so this must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but everlasting life. As Moses lifted up the, the serpent, right? As he lifted up the serpent, people looked at that and they were healed. They were, in a sense, they were saved. Jesus is lifted up on a cross where he is crucified, where he is killed, where he dies. And when we look to him, we have eternal life. I love the cross because on the cross, Jesus redeemed me from the curse of the law. I love the cross because looking to Jesus on the cross and, and what he accomplished on that cross... I can have eternal life. Again, these are the scriptures that tell us that we love the cross and why we love the cross. And I, I, I'm assuming and I'm hoping I'm hearing right now, amen, amen. But you're probably thinking, wait a minute, but why did you say that I love it and I hate it? Why do you say I embrace it and I reject it and I turn my back on it? Obviously, there's no way I could reject the cross or hate the cross. Look what Jesus did, but I'm going to argue that as much as you're right now saying amen that you love it, you're about to hear in a minute something that you're, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, I don't love that. I don't love that. I reject that. I, I, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to. I, I know you're going to disagree, but just stay with me. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. This is still another passage of scripture in the group of verses that would show us why we love the cross. Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, we read this, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commended, commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love the cross because Jesus died for me, a sinner. He died. He died to pay for my sin. He died to save me from the wrath of God. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. On that cross, Jesus wasn't just suffering. He was suffering for a purpose and for a reason, and that was to save sinners. 
I love the cross because Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. I love the cross because by looking to the cross, I can have eternal life. I love the cross because on that cross, Jesus was suffering and dying for me, a sinner. He was, he was saving me who does not deserve anything but I am a sinner who deserves wrath. He was demonstrating his love and the mercy and grace of God. I love the cross. You should love the cross. Embrace the cross. Cherish the cross. Be grateful and thankful every day for the cross. No matter what is happening in your life, look to the cross. Put a cross somewhere where you could just look at it to be reminded of my Savior hung and bled on that cross. He saved me from my sin. He, he satisfied the wrath of God for me. You should constantly be reminded of what Christ did on that cross, and it should fill you with love and gratitude. But I'm going to continue to argue. You love it but you hate it. Now, how could that possibly be? Because there is the cross, listen, there is the cross that Christ died upon, and then there is the cross Christ calls us to. There is the cross that Christ died upon, and then there is the cross Christ calls us to take up. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We read these words. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, we love the cross that Jesus took up. We love the cross that Jesus died upon because he saved us from it. He saved us. We Listen, we are saved. We are saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are not finished. Uh, we are not saved by what we do. We're not saved by the cross we pick up. We are not saved by that. We are saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ. But as someone who's believed in Jesus Christ, we have by faith, we are trusting and, and, and 100% relying on his finished work. For those of us who have been saved, we are called to a way of life. We are called to come and follow him. We are called to a way of discipleship. And this call means that we are called to take, listen, take up his cross. Let me read it again. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As Jesus took up the cross to die for me, I am to take up a cross, my cross, to die to me. Jesus died for me. I'm to take up a cross and die to me. I want you to hear that again. Jesus took up a cross to die for me. I am to take up my cross to die to myself. That is what we are called to. We are saved by what Jesus did, but as those who are saved, we are called, we are, we are 
challenge to follow him in discipleship. Now, we can get into a whole theological discussion. Some people will say, no, 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 no. If you're going to be truly saved, you have to do this. Well, I will argue if if, if, if I'm going to be saved, if the only people who are going to be saved are those who ta- who uh, deny themselves and take up the cross and follow him, then there's no saved people because very few of us ever truly take up the cross. We true, Very few of us ever even come close to dying to ourselves. In fact, I will argue we never even come close to this. We fall short of this continually. So if this determines my salvation, well, first, it's no longer by grace. It's by me trying to take up a cross and doing something, and I'm going to fall short. I know there'll be some that disagree with me, but just stay with, even if you disagree with that, just stay with me. I'm going to say that we are called as Christians to follow Christ in discipleship, and it starts with taking up a cross and dying to ourselves. And that cross we don't love. That cross, we reject. That cross, we turn our back on. We love the fact that Jesus died on a cross, but we do not love the idea of taking up our cross and dying to ourselves. We love him dying for us. We don't like the idea of us dying to ourselves. Because taking up a cross, the cross is an instrument of death. It's an instrument of crucifixion. So it's an instrument of sacrifice. We, In a sense, we take up that cross to die to ourselves, to sacrifice ourselves. Well, yourself, you every single day, you demonstrate that you haven't taken up the cross and died to yourself. Yourself is there. Your self-will, your self-desire, you see it in your anger, in your frustration, in your irritation, and arguing for your way, your pride, your arrogance, your ego. You see it continually. You see self is not hanging on a cross. You see self has, has gotten down from the cross, rejected the cross, and has walked around seeking your way, your will, your pleasure, and you want everyone else to exalt you, take care of you, satisfy you, please you, agree with you, praise you. We see it constantly. That's why this can't be, no, only people who are truly saved have done this. Well, then there aren't anyone saved. The church constantly demonstrates, we, we, we don't like it. We don't love this. We love the cross of Jesus. We love Jesus hanging on a cross dying for me. We don't love the cross that we are called to take up and die to ourselves. Amen or oh me? I don't know about oh me. I I don't love the idea of taking up a cross and dying to self. Oh, I used to convince myself, oh, that's me. I, I've, I've denied myself. I've died. I've, I've taken up the cross and I'm not following self. Oh, I've tried to convince myself that that was me, but too many times over and over. I mean, look, even in the smallest ways, if you've taken up a cross and died to self, come on, come on. Would you act the way you do when someone cuts you off in traffic? Would you act the way you do when little things go wrong at work? Would you act the way you do when your kids irritate you? Would you act the way you do when you start fighting with your spouse? Would you act the way you do time and time and time and time and time again? Because it's always something, well, your flesh, is you're still very much alive. This is what we're called to. But we all always fall short. That's why our salvation has to be based on what Christ, what Christ did on the cross. I don't know if I love this cross. I don't know if I love it. 
I don't know if I love it in any way, shape, or form. There it is. Every day, wake up, take up that cross, take up the cross and die to self. Jesus hung on a cross to die for me. Now it's, it's, it's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's Thursday. Now I've got to wake up and take up that cross. I got to take up that cross and die to self. Myself is very much alive. I don't love it. I reject it. Now, the reason I am showing you this contrast between the cross of Christ and the cross you are called to take up, the cross of Christ versus the cross that you are to take up, we love one, we despise the other, is because in book two, chapter 11 of the famous book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, in some editions of this book, you will read this as the chapter title, Lovers of the cross of Jesus. Lovers of the cross of Jesus. And when I saw that as a title, I'm like, oh, this will be a great evening devotional. Lovers of the cross of Jesus. We all love the cross of Jesus because he was dying for me. He was saving me. He was saving me from the curse of the law. He was giving me eternal life. Yes, we love that because he was dying for me. He was saving me. He was saving sinners. Of course I love that. But when I turn and go, wait a minute, you want me to take up a cross? You want me to die to me? Okay, I don't love that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very painful of that. But at the time, when I picked it up, I just saw lovers of the cross of Jesus. And I'm like, well, of course, this is going to be great because... It's going to remind me why I need to love what Jesus did for me. And it's, well, in some ways, it's about me. Now, I know ultimately Jesus died to satisfy the wrath of God, but once again, it was satisfying the wrath of God, well, for sinners. So in a sense, it's still, well, I, I'm involved in the story. So I'm like, okay, let's see how he's going to handle this. So I again, The Imitation of Christ, Thomas Kempis, book two, chapter 11, written over 500 years ago. He said the, this, or he wrote this, I should say. Jesus has now many lovers of his heavenly kingdom, but few bearers of his cross. Lovers of his kingdom, but very few who want to bear his cross. Many he has who are desirous of consolation, but few of tribulation. There's many who desire consolation. We desire comfort. We desire all of the wonderful things Christ has done for us, but very few who desire tribulation. And let me say, there is great tribulation in taking up an instrument of death and dying to yourself every single day. In fact, the word tribulation, let's just look up the word tribulation really quick. Let's just look it up. The word tribulation definition, a cause of great trouble or suffering, a state of great trouble or suffering, a cause of great trouble or suffering, a state of great trouble and suffering. There is great trouble and suffering when you're trying to die to yourself. We're not desirous of that. We're, we don't love the, an instrument of death. We're like, here's, here's the cross. You're, Jesus took up his cross. Now you take up a cross and you die to yourself. We're like, I'm not as, I want the consolation of Jesus dying for me. I don't want the suffering and the tribulation of me dying to me. We all have to admit that. 
He goes on to say, many he finds who share his table, but few his fasting. There's many who wants to sit at the table and in a sense feast on all that Jesus has given us, but not many want to, well, spend time in fasting. All desire to rejoice with him. Few are willing to endure anything for him. Many follow Jesus into the breaking of the bread, but few to the drinking of the cup of his passion. Many reverence his miracles, just uh, few follow the shame of his cross. Many love Jesus as long as no adversities befall them. Many praise and bless him so long as they receive any consolation from him. But if Jesus hides himself and leave them but a little while, they fall either into complaining or into dejection of mine. Wow, those are some powerful words. And when I read that, it made me just immediately go, yes, I love the cross. But wait, I don't love that cross. Now, he doesn't mention Matthew 16, 18. He doesn't mention that cross specifically, but Matthew 16, 18 is, no, and let me read it to you again, because it's just, it's just, I mean, every time I read it, I keep saying Matthew 16, 18. It's Matthew 16, uh, verse uh, 24. It's Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. All right, Matthew 16, 18 is uh, upon this rock. I will build my church. It's Matthew 16, uh, 24. So I apologize for stating it incorrectly. Um, Then Jesus saith unto him, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now I want you to realize, this is very important for you to realize. This is what Jesus calls us to do. Again, this does not determine our salvation. It can't. If you say, no, if you're, the, the call of salvation is a call to this. Well, then my salvation, I'm never going to be saved because this is not ever, it's never ultimately true in my life. I'm going to fall short of this constantly. I don't deny myself and I don't take up a cross and die to myself, but it's what we're called to do. And I don't love that. I don't love the idea of of nails in my hand and my feet. I don't love that idea. I don't love the idea of me being crucified and dying. So self, well, self is dead. Self has been crucified. As much as I want to, maybe sitting in a pew on a Sunday, I can say, amen. I want to be crucified with Christ and I want to die. But by the time you get in the car to start driving to church, you probably start arguing with your kids or with your spouse. You start arguing about who knows what, what you're going to have for dinner. Who knows what you start arguing about. And immediately you're like, wait a minute. We just said amen to dying to ourselves. And everyone in this car is very much alive to themselves. And everyone here is arguing and fighting. You've witnessed it, encountered it a million times. But it's what we should strive for. And we don't love it. Let me read everything Thomas Akempis said here again. Jesus has many lovers of his heavenly kingdom, but few bearers of his cross. Many he has who are desirous of consolation, but few of tribulation. Many he finds who share his table, but few his fasting. All desire to rejoice with him. Few are willing to endure anything for him. Many follow Jesus into the breaking of bread, but few to drink of the cup of his passion. Many reverence his miracles. Few follow the shame of his cross. Many love Jesus, so as long as no adversities befall them, 
Many praise and bless him so long as they receive any consolation from him. But if Jesus hides himself and leave them but a little while, they either they fall either into complaining or into dejection of mind. But they who love Jesus for the sake of Jesus and not for some special comfort of their own, Bless him in all tribulation and anguish of heart, as well as in the highest comfort. Yea, although he should never give them comfort, they would ever, yet although he should never give them comfort, they would ever praise him notwithstanding and wish to always give thanks. Oh, how powerful is the pure love of Jesus, which is mixed with no self-interest or self-love. Okay, well, I got to read that again. This is powerful, okay? But they who love Jesus for Jesus' sake, do you love Jesus for Jesus' sake? Do you love Jesus for Jesus' sake? You love him for who he is, and that means you love him when he tells you to take up a cross. You just, okay, take up a cross and suffering? Well, I, I have no problem because I love Jesus for Jesus' sake. And you don't just love him for some special comfort of their own. And you don't, and you bless him in all tribulation and anguish of heart, as well as in the highest comfort. Yea, although he should never give them comfort. If Jesus says he's never going to give you any comfort, he's not going to give you any blessing. He's not going to do anything for you. All right. Listen, you would, would you ever praise him notwithstanding? and wish to always give thanks. Would you praise him and give thanks even if he said he would do nothing for you? There was no comfort. There was nothing. Just because Jesus is Jesus, he's the eternal son of God, second person of the Trinity. Would you give him thanks? Would you love him just because he's Jesus? Now, you may, I I say we would never do, even though we may claim it, we would never do that. We wouldn't because our flesh would reject it. Nope, nope, not going to love someone who's not doing we, we are Because our flesh would be there. But if we could literally take up a cross and die to ourselves, well, then self wouldn't be there to say, I can't love Jesus because self wouldn't be making the determination based on what they got because self would be dead. But we don't take up the cross and die to ourselves. We hate that cross. We reject it. Oh, how powerful is the pure love of Jesus, which is mixed with no self-interest or self-love. How much of your love of Jesus is mixed with self-interest and self-love? How much of your love for Jesus is mixed with self-interest and self-love? I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons I love the cross of Jesus is because of self-interest and self-love, because he died for me. He redeemed me from the curse of the law. While I was yet a sinner, he died for me. He, looking to the cross, gives me eternal life. There's much of my love for Jesus is extremely mixed with self-interest and self-love. I can say it's not true, it's not true, it's it's very true. And you know what? It will always be mixed with self-interest and self-love. The cross of Jesus, I love it, but in many cases, I love it because of self-interest and self-love. And I will always, that love for Jesus will always be mixed with self-interest and self-love until I'm willing to embrace the cross that he tells me to take up, and that is to die to self. Because once self is dead, there is no self-interest and self-love. Here's the bad news. You're never truly going to die to yourself. So there's always going to be self-interest and self-love. 
There's always going to be self-interest and self-love. Sometimes we act like, oh, we love Jesus. The lost world doesn't. We love Jesus. And we sometimes think that, look how godly I am. I'm telling you, even your love for Jesus is mixed with self-interest and self-love. That's why your salvation can never be based on, well, if you're if you're saved, if you're truly saved, then you deny yourself, you take up the cross and follow me because that's a call to salvation. No, I believe that's a call to discipleship, which has to be separated from salvation because discipleship has all of this. You must do 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 this. And a lot of people say, well, that, you know, by doing those things don't save you, but if you're saved, you will do those things, but you will never do them anywhere close. I want you to think about when was the last time, honestly, that you spent 24, you spent three hours in a day where truly you, you had taken up a cross and died to yours. You were denying self, you had died to self, and you were not following self. Oh, come on. You, I, look, I know some of you are going to argue and pretend. You can pretend all day. Your self is there. You see it. You feel it. You experience it. I want to love the cross of Jesus because it's about Jesus. It's about God. But there's self-interest and self-love there. I love Jesus because of what he did for me. And, and I know that there's, it's always going to be there. And I'm not saying that that's completely wrong. But, but our, I just want you to know that we can, our, even our love for God is corrupted. Even your love for God is corrupted because it's mixed with self-interest and self-love. There's no way to deny that. When we take up the cross to try to die to self, to try to purge ourselves of self-interest and self-love. We should love the cross of Jesus. We should. I know it's sometimes mixed with self-interest and self-love, most all the time. But somehow that love of what the love of what Jesus did on the cross for me, right? That love of the cross of Jesus taking up the cross to die for me, that love has to at some point motivate us to take up a cross to die to self. Do you love the cross you are called? To take up, are you? Do you love the cross that you are to endure? Now, some people that like, we, well, everyone has to bear a cross, and they'll talk about this problem. No, no, no. Taking up a cross means die. It's it's an instrument of death. It's a call to die to self. Now, in our position, I'll make sure this is very true. In my position before God, oh, I I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. In my position, I'm completely dead. I, I, it's just, in my position, it's just, I'm a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. Everything is new. That is true in my position. In my practice, the old is very much there. It is very much present. The old man is very much there. And it's the never ending struggle of trying to put into practice what is true positionally. We never are going to do so. But in our practice, we, our job is to try to take up the cross every single day and die to self. And it's so hard. It is so hard. My, my, myself is so alive. My, 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 I, I mean, I've seen it so many times. And it makes me mad in some ways that, I, that in some ways I try to convince myself that somehow I was even coming close to Matthew 16. 
uh, 24. That I, it makes me mad that I ever thought that I was within 500 miles of that. I've never been within a, 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 the same, I don't think I've ever been on the same planet with that verse. Now, I strive for it. And I'm so grateful that my salvation is because of what Jesus did on the cross. My salvation is not dependent on this taking up the cross. No, 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 no. Can, it can't be. Because again, I would, I would, we would all, we, if this is a test to prove you're saved, you're lost. I don't care what you say, you're lost. And, and those who will argue with me will start emailing me and it will only take about five seconds in their email to demonstrate, nope, you're very much alive because I'm seeing your anger. I'm seeing your attitude. I'm seeing, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll see yourself will become, just start arguing about, look, even when you're arguing about doctrine and theology, what do you typically see? We don't see Christ. We see our flesh. Our flesh gets involved in our arguments about doctrine and theology. I mean, it, even when we're trying to argue and talk about something good, the flesh arises. Even when we're struggling about how to figure out a passage in the Bible, you can see people's flesh. You can p- see people's attitude. You can see people get mad. You, I see it in preaching. I'm like, okay, I must be saying something wrong because that person's clearly getting mad. We're demonstrating that they're very, 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 very much alive. Amen or oh me. Now I'll end with just reading this all one more time. Here we go. Listen closely to the words of Thomas Kempis written over 500 years ago. Jesus has many lovers of his heavenly kingdom, but few bearers of his cross. Many he has who are desirous of consolation, but few of tribulation. Many he finds who share his table, but few his fasting. All desire to rejoice with him. Few are willing to endure anything for him. Many follow Jesus into the breaking of bread, but few to the drinking of the cup of his passion. Many reverence his miracles, Few follow the shame of his cross. Many love Jesus so long as no adversities befall them. Many praise and bless him so long as they receive, uh, uh, as so long as they receive any consolation from him. But if Jesus hide himself or hid himself or hides himself and leave them but a little while, they fall either into complaining or into de- dejection of mind. But they who love Jesus for the sake of Jesus and not for some special comfort of their own, bless him and all tribulation and anguish of heart, as well as in the highest comfort. Yea, although he should never give them comfort, they would still praise him notwithstanding and wish to always give thanks. Oh, how powerful is the pure love of Jesus, which is mixed with no self-interest or self love. That's found in chapter 11, book two of The Imitation of Christ, written by Thomas Akempis over 500 years ago. We've been working through this book now since I think 2019, 2020, for, for a few years. And I hope that every time we open this book, you find it to be as convicting and as challenging and as interesting as I have. 
Thank you for listening. You can email me your thoughts to newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I hope this was beneficial. When, when, the, when the live chat is completely silent, it makes me very nervous, okay? But all I can do is speak and let God do with this with whatever he wants to do with it. For those, hopefully it helps, great. If it doesn't help anyone, that's in God's hands, and I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. Everyone, have a wonderful evening. God bless.